Hi, I am Joseph. And I am Eleni. And we are the hosts of Microbes in Us. This podcast brings together the people that work tirelessly to uncover and understand the microbial world, its secrets, its complexity, and its vibrancy. And it will show us how microbes can shape, break, and make our human world. From prehistoric times, all the way to the modern world around us. We hope you enjoy and share this podcast. Welcome to episode 13 of Microbes in Us. This is our second International Microorganism Day themed episode, where Eleni and I are going to go through six interesting kind of microbe stories from the past year that we found interesting. I think you, our audience, will enjoy. We've got a few things to say about IMD. I'll just pass over to Eleni to give us a little update about what's going on this year. This year for International Microorganism Day, we are planning in-person events around the globe. We've got a great lineup of events in countries like Brazil, the Netherlands, Italy, Portugal, Belgium, UK, Japan, Nigeria, with more countries being added to the list as we speak. So activities that engage kids, families, the general public, everyone celebrating together the wonderful world of microbes and what microbes can offer to us. Yeah, so check out the website if you want to see details of these events. You might be able to attend some of them. We have more coming up in the pipeline, so it will update over time. We also have some new blog pieces coming out on the IMD blog, so get over there and read through some interesting microbe stories. And we hope wherever you are on the 17th of September, you are able to celebrate the joy of microbes. I mean, that's kind of the theme of this podcast. And we have six interesting microbe-themed developments or stories now. So I was going to hand over to Eleni for her first microbe story from this year. Yeah, exactly. Let's deep into our first microbiology discovery. And before doing that, I'd like to provide a bit of a background. So we commonly talk about microbes as organisms that can be seen with the naked eye. And that's where microscopes step in. What if I told you that in June 2022, so just a few months ago, an article was published in Science that talked about the largest bacterium ever found that is a centimeter long and that is 50 times larger than any other known bacterium. That is ridiculous. A centimeter long. The Margarita magnifica was the bacterium found on rotting leaves and its filaments can be seen without a microscope and it looks more like a strand of hair. The interesting part is, apart from its size, is that also its genetic material is found in a really unusual place. In other bacteria, the DNA floats freely inside the cell, usually in a circular chromosome. But for this huge bacterium, the DNA is stored in lots of small places that are found around the bacterium. So it's stored in organelles called pepins that collectively host up to 700,000 copies of the bacterial genome. I guess because it's so big, it probably has to have these copies spread throughout its cell, right? So there's somewhere close by to access the genes. So yeah, that's the first discovery that I wanted to bring out in this episode. And if you want to hear or read more about this, just Google largest bacterium ever found and I'm sure that will pop up. But yeah, another surprising way that bacteria can live beyond what we expect them to. What a strange but awesome microbe. So I have now a yeah, like a kind of, this isn't really uh, a new microbe, but it's a new thing people have done using microbes. So very recently, and for the first time, scientists have developed like a phage treatment 
that can suppress the gut bacteria in people with inflammatory bowel disease. What's new about this is, firstly, you know, often, often we use antibiotics to, to kill bacteria and to cure diseases, but as we know, bacteria are developing resistances to these. So people are looking into using bacteriophages to kill off bacteria or at least suppress the, the growth of them in certain places. In this situation, I mean, one of the problems is that not only do bacteria develop resistance to antibiotics, but they can also easily develop resistance to phages. And if you use one type of phage over time, then slowly the bacteria will become resistant to it. So in this situation, they used a combination of different phages and then used this phage combination treatment to cure people from their IBS. Now this affects millions of people, IB, sorry, IBD even. Using combination phage therapy, they can target specific bacteria that they found are causing people inflammation. So I thought that was pretty cool. And this is super new. So this only came out in the last couple of months this year. I think it was published in, in Cell, but the work being done is at the German National Cancer Center. So cutting edge use of phages to cure IBD in people, which I think is really fun. I think over time we'll find more phage therapies coming out as people find that antibiotics are less useful, phages off these different solutions. So keep an eye out for phage therapy going forward, I think is my take home message from this. My extra fact about phage therapy is that in the kind of Soviet Union, they developed their own kind of phage therapies while in the West people developed antibiotics. So if you go to places like Georgia in the Caucasus, they actually have quite a well-developed system of phage therapies for curing people of diseases. So there are areas of the world outside of like traditional Western medicine that have already made great use of phage therapies. So let's look into this more and find great cures for diseases. So for my second interesting discovery, I want to talk about a bacteria once again. But these bacteria are really, really special because they can help make shoes. The bacterium named Comaga thybacter rieticus is a bacterium that naturally produces nanocellulose. And then you ask me, how can we possibly make a shoe out of a bacterium? Let me exactly address that. So the process begins with a 2D yarn scaffold. So we have a, a shoe mold, which is dipped into a medium containing the cellulose producing bacterium. This bacterium stick into the mold and start producing cellulose, which is the core of the shoe is made out of. The bacteria grow into this mold and then once the shoe is made, it is sterilized, so the bacteria are washed out and you're left with a very interesting looking and unique design. This bacteria, additional from helping produce the shoe, they can actually help in also dyeing the shoe, let's say the fabric made from cellulose into different colors because if you engineer this bacterium they can uh, self-dye by producing melanin for color. What I can tell you more is that the co-founders and CEOs are now setting this out to make them available to us so they have a 4.1 million investment to scale productions of these uh, cellulose shoes made by bacteria. So yeah, Definitely keep an eye on this space and I will be very, very excited to get my hands around this very unique styled sneakers that can replace potentially the petrochemical made sneakers that we currently have on the market with uh, something that is biodegradable, is natural. And yeah, if you wanna, if you wanna look closer to this, there is, uh, just have a look on the article published in Nature Biotechnology, August 2022. Amazing. 
my next story is for the microbial ecologists out there, of which we know there are many. And this is basically about a bacterium that for the first time has been shown to metabolize sulfur and methane. People knew very often about sulfur metabolizing and methane metabolizing bacteria, but in this case, there's a bacterium that does both. And this is really interesting because obviously methane is a huge greenhouse gas, all those cows in those fields farting methane all the time. Sewage also, you know, decaying and producing methane. And I think it's something like 27 times as potent a greenhouse gas as CO2. So, you know, methane is also a huge problem for climate change. But this bacterium, it metabolizes methane and sulfur, and it lives in wetlands. So these wetlands can oxidize methane and sulfur into byproducts, which are, you know, less harmful, especially methane, less greenhouse gases. These were found in the mountains or the wetlands and mountains in South Korea. And it's another reason why we should protect, you know, environments like wetlands, because they have lots of interesting communities of microbes that end up metabolizing harmful greenhouse gases. So this strain, Methylovigula theovorans, which they've named HY1, very sensible, can metabolize both sulfur and methane. And when they were analyzing its genome, they found the genes that they would associate with oxidizing sulfur and for methane. And then I think they went and tested it and saw it did both. So it's a very interesting way at looking at what goes on inside wetlands and how these wetlands function and how these ecosystems function. And another reason why I was trying to protect them and potentially helping us to combat methane production, which is a big factor of climate change. For my last interesting microbe discovery fact, I'm going to flip a little bit the conversation to something extremely popular nowadays, which is electronic devices that we can wear, for example, Apple Watches. Of course, if you happen to know one, you might have noticed that you need to charge them regularly. What if I told you that microbes might provide a solution to this? An engineered version of the bacterium Geobacter sulfuroducens can produce electricity from sweat. Our skin is constantly moist with sweat, so this engineered bacterium harvests the energy from the sweat evaporating and it converts that to electricity. And the team that found this at the University of Massachusetts went a step further and actually showed that these engineered Geobacter sulfuroducens bacterium can be worn on our skin as a band-aid and produce enough energy to power small devices in a constant manner. So there's no need to charge your Apple Watch ever again. There's no need to change the band-aid, just have it there. And yeah, it's a win-win situation, both for, for us, which use electronic devices and for the bacterium, because it doesn't really need maintenance. And it'd be quite cool if like, you know, you had like your microbe socks, which you put on in the morning and then they power your devices. Very cool. So skin, powered electricity producing microbes if you want to hear more about this all the research in found in nature communication in an article published in july 2022 my last story is super interesting so this is um based on a study i mean there's a series of studies but this is kind of on a new study in the journal of psychopharmacology and these are by researchers at John Hopkins uh, Medicine or John Hopkins Medical Center in America. And they basically showed that there are mushrooms out there, however we know there are many, producing many different chemicals. In these mushrooms that produce cybocyanin, commonly known as magic mushrooms, 
but there are many kinds out there. In carefully controlled conditions with therapeutic clinicians and psychologists, they've managed to use these mushrooms with patients with long-term depression to, in a series of treatments with very well-trained psychiatrists and behavioral scientists, cure people's long-term depression by consuming these mushrooms in a controlled environment and undergoing assisted therapy. So they had 27 participants, I think, with long-term history of depression, and they'd been experiencing depressive symptoms for about two years. The average age of participants is about 40, um, about half are women, half are men. You know, 88% of these patients had been using standard antidepressants without much improvement. Then they basically underwent these therapy sessions using these mushrooms with the psychiatrists. The researchers had supported that, yeah, substantial increases in antidepressant effects for at least a year after these treatments. So there are microbes out there producing chemicals, which in the right conditions with the right clinical psychiatrists can work people beyond their long-term depression, which I think is amazing. So we've had the largest ever bacterium, phages curing IBD, bacterium that can help reduce methane emissions, bacteria that can power things on your skin, and then finally fungi that can cure depression. Exactly. So overall, we can see how diverse the microbes are and how beneficial they can be. Yeah, and how useful and how magical as well. This ties really well with the theme of International Microorganism Day. So just tying back to what we said at the start of the episode, we are organizing a lot of in-person events for International Microorganism Day. So do check our website to find specifically the locations and the times. It's going to be really, really fun. Yeah, and we look forward to celebrating microbes. I mean, we've heard a few stories here about how amazing they are and all the cool things they're doing for everyone. But that's just the tip of the microbe iceberg. So I hope everyone out there on the 17th of September can join in celebrating their love for microbes. And we certainly will be as well. You've been listening to the podcast Microbes and Us. Hit the follow button to never miss an episode and follow us on social media on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Fems Micro and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Fems Microbiology. See you in our next episode.